Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. The Graham Norton Radio Show. How exciting is this? With Waitrose. Over on Virgin Radio. Up and Adam, come on, things to do. Don't cheer, you'll just embarrass yourselves. We're not bored of it yet, so it's lovely. There's no stopping them. No stopping them. The Graham Norton Radio Show. Oh, there's nothing nicer, is there? Nothing nicer. With Waitrose, food to feel good about. I mean, what's not to like? Saturday and Sunday from 9.30. Over on Virgin Radio. Welcome to the show. Vassis is here. Aloha. Rachel's here. Greetings. Little Christmas vibe. How's the prep going, Rachel? So, rental house is booked. Tick. Uh, I know when my Tesco slot is being delivered. I have ensured that they do indeed deliver to the address of the rental house. I've made that mistake before. Uh, that's all sorted. In terms of everything else, we wait until after Dara's birthday. <laughs> to the rental house. The rental house. The rental house, <laughs> okay. as opposed to the house that we live in. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. I get it. The place you're staying for uh, Christmas. Yeah. The house you've rented for Christmas. Yeah, the rental yeah. house. Uh, the, the rental house. <laughs> Call it what it is. Okay. Versus, how's your Christmas prep going? I've sorted out the turkey. We don't actually eat turkey in our house, but we do, as Barnes Runners, organise the first Sunday of every December, a turkey run, which is uh, 10 miles or 10k along the towpath in uh, in Barnes. And there's a tiny turkey run, which is just a kilometre. And the best dressed turkey gets a turkey. And the local butchers, Ginger Pig, they have sorted, they have agreed today, yesterday, rather. I'm surprised if they're going to mention on the show. For yeah. 80 quid. It's also a great name for a bitch. Ginger pig, ginger pig, ginger <laughs> pig. For 80 quid, 80 quid, 80 quid. They have said, um, thanks for your swift reply confirming the date. That shouldn't be a problem. We can arrange a turkey to be sent to our barn oh, shop for you to collect so that weekend. One each after this mention. <laughs> yeah. I think we'll deliver one to Devon. Coming up on the show, Gabon Mate is going to be here. He's an IRL guru, a guru in real life. His book, The Myth of Normal, celebrated its first birthdays over here doing some talking engagements so he's popping in to refresh our memories as to his genius he won't say that but I can say that about him what else can you say about him Rachel so Gabor is a man who knows and is very happy and willing to share that knowledge with us he has worked for more than 40 years as a family physician a palliative care director an addiction clinician and most importantly an observer of human health so he knows all about medicine and how medicine can help to treat illness but when it comes to wellness that is down to us and he can give us the tools of how to achieve the wellness that we want. Yeah, uh, docs and uh, geniuses who work in hospitals and cure people of things that I've been cured of in the last few weeks. They do cure illnesses. Of course they do. They treat illnesses, but it's up to us to create our own well-being. That is up to us. That is not down to them. That is up to us. And the more we do that, hopefully, the less we will have to burden them uh, needlessly because... um, that's uh, that's how we roll. Gabor is also one of the best adverts for his own philosophies because he's nearly 80 and he looks like he might be 60 ish oh and a push. Yeah. Which is quite annoying, but anyway. Uh, also on the show today, we are going live to the Ryder Cup. It's not started yet, but it's all, it might as well have done. The excitement is there. It's in Rome. Alan McCoyce is being paid to go to the Ryder Cup, as is Alan Brazil with the Alan Brazil Talk Sport and Talk Sport to your breakfast show. However, even though Alan's there, he may well miss the Ryder Cup because in 2007, 
TalkSport took him to the Floyd Mayweather and Ricky Hatton fight, uh, but he missed that because he stayed in the piano bar. In 2008, he went to the Champions League final with TalkSport, but he missed that because it was too rainy, so he stayed in a bar in Moscow. <laughs> in 2018, he went to another Ryder Cup. He had access to every day in Paris, but spent the days in a hotel bar with Niall Horan instead. <laughs> Classic Alan. <laughs> Brilliant. Yes. This is not career advice. <laughs> but it works for him. No, but nor is just missing your show with no notice. But he does that every sort Why of does month he pull or it so. Off? He's part of the yeah. enigma. People love it. Will he? Won't he? Will he? Won't he? What? Will he be there? Yeah. <laughs> I had a very productive day yesterday. So we did the show. I ran in yesterday which is incredible, two weeks after the old procedure. I thought it was going to be a month, maybe eight weeks. So well done, everybody. Well done, Alistair. Well done, Dr. Ellen. Uh, well done, Dee and Rachel. Thank you so much, the team. So running yesterday, did the show. Had, we had a lovely show yesterday. Mm -hmm. It's been a lovely few shows, hasn't it? A lovely few weeks. And then I got on the tube with Rachel. We all exited together, didn't we? Yeah. So if somebody had been waiting outside the building for somebody uh, really famous for their autograph, as people sometimes do, and they'd have seen us three egressing the building together, they would have thought, oh, they really do get on. Yeah. <laughs> We're chatting. Yeah, and then Rachel and I, we carried on because we got on the tube together. Yeah, we, we did. And then what did I do? I went home, had a smoothie with Tash, to catch up with Tash. And then I went on my speed awareness course, which was brilliant, my national speed awareness course, with Louise, our trainer. She was fantastic. Nice group. We had a good group. Oh, and that makes a difference. It makes all the difference. And things that I knew, I thought I'd remembered, but I hadn't remembered and forgotten things that I had remembered, which was nice and new things uh, that I'll share later because it's fun and it's going. It might help. It's helpful and it might save lives and it, it's uh, it's all, all good stuff. And then from that, I then uh, tidied the garages, which was great. That's big. I, was, I mean. We had stuff. We got so much stuff at the back because we do have two cars in. We don't use the garages uh, just as a uh, storage. But I didn't realise how much was behind the cars. Also, we've cleared out our lodge, and so we had two mattresses. So what do you do with the mattresses? Well, you either chuck them, uh, even though they're really expensive in the first place. Nobody wants a second-hand mattress, really. We don't need them anymore because the lodge is no more, and we are, you know, we are where we are with the furniture. We have, we are at full tilt. And so what do you do with the mattresses? Uh, what we've done is we've put them at the back of the garage so we can we can confidently drive the cars into them. <laughs> that is genius. I know. Well, you, do you know about the tennis ball? The, no. Oh, do you know about the tennis ball in the garage? No. Oh, Richard, how great is the tennis ball in the garage? Okay, so if you, if you suffer sometimes pretty high anxiety trying to get your car into your garage without bashing the front of it and knowing that you have to get as close to the back of the garage with the front of your car to clear the doors at the back then here's what you do you very careful you get somebody to guide you into the garage and you get as close as you dare to the back of the garage with the front of the car knowing that you have clearance at the back because somebody is in there for this one mm. occasion and they probably won't be there ever again you know and then what you do is you put the handbrake on and you put it in gear and you turn the engine off and that's good so there's the car in the perfect the optimal position in the garage all right yeah then what you do is you get a tennis ball Okay, and you thread some string through a tennis ball, and then you hang the tennis ball from something. Or if you if you don't have a rafter or or, or a joist, then you fix a screw or a hook, and you hang the tennis ball so it is touching the windscreen. All right. So then, oh. what you do is you then drive in, and well the done. second, well the second, the, the tennis off. ball 
Well, is that it? We're done. We're done, We're done for today. Yeah. That is brilliant. It's genius, isn't it? Yeah. It's absolute genius. And you just, the second you windscreen touch the tennis ball, you're done. And oh. by the way, it's the opposite of anxiety. It's like a little game you play. And also, it's that, it's that, <sighs> that um, it's the tactile touch mm. of, I'm home. Mm. I'm home now. Have you got a tennis ball? No, you need I don't. A tennis I don't ball. Well, I don't even. I got the mattresses. Got the mattress. Yeah. So this, this... You just go boom. No, no, I don't. No, <laughs> I don't. Back. It's the opposite. Because the, the best thing is you vet, you edge towards the mattress, and the second you see the top of it, will to let me go. Oh, I've just touched the mattress, and I'm home now. It's like a massive tennis ball. It's cool, though, isn't it? Yes. Guess what I'm doing today. Oh. Oh, you've got no chance. Uh, sorry, it's a very no. It's a very unfair question. I apologise. So today we have some old carpet. So I'm cutting the carpet up and I'm I'm fixing the carpet to the sides of the garage. So then when I open the car doors, they just they just <laughs> touch against the, the carpet and they don't get chipped. Oh, who would have known it would come to this? I am in I am in clover, mate. <laughs> this and the the actual sequencing wow. of my biscuits in the yeah. assortment. I jar. wanted to ask you about so which get... biscuits you enjoyed most during your online. Uh, driving didn't have any course. didn't have any I was so captivated so engaged because people said oh three hours in front of a screen well that's not going to work that attitude if you dive in it flew by and we, we we had a break in the middle I was saying why don't we need a break let's crack on <laughs> this is cool man let's work through the break not because I want to get it over let's do some extra stuff Louise she's no it's not going to work Chris no she wasn't up everybody else it. needs to leave yeah. so well, I'm alright she wanted a biscuit I've got to clean some garages out later but it's okay and then from the garages uh, I arrived home Tash was clearly out walking the dog because the little ones were at um, Teddy Tennis and so I caught up with Tash in the high street who was catching up with Tilly's mum and then I said I'll take Sparkle home you can go pick the kids up and she said How, well, don't you want to come with us I said no I think I'm going to sparkle a little um, little um, poodle parlour action so I washed Sparkle Oh, oh, nice. Just before tea. Did Sparkle have... tolerate it? Oh, she loved it because oh, it's warm okay. water. It's like oh, the best stroke it. ever. Okay. Yeah. And then we had tea and then we, I don't know what we did after that, but it was just a great day. It's great. Bring it on. I'm your man. <laughs> Anybody else want anything doing? When you get in that kind of mood, it's good, isn't it? Vassos needs his charger drawer sorted. Well, Rachel did and hers. And it's And I am, I am scared of... She our, sorted a, the a, charger drawer. I sorted the charger drawer. It made Listen, me we so have happy. Look, by the way, we have real content for the show. It's just that I think this is good stuff. I really do. So you, you did your charger drawer yesterday. Yeah. And this is thrown forward a conversation <laughs> where you, you are paranoid about charging to the extent you won't charge your iPad. My iPad hasn't been charged since before Why our not? summer holidays What's... because I'm scared to go in the cupboard where the chargers live. Oh, I live. see. You're not scared of charging the iPad. No, no, I'm just scared. That, that and the cupboard under the stairs mm. are just two places in our house that I'm just scared of. Right. There's just too much stuff in there and you just go and everything. Oh. The tennis ball trick. The tennis ball trick. We have a conker instead of a tennis ball attached to our piece of string in the garage. It works the street. And if you change it each year, you have a pre-season conker for the playground, says Paul in Bedfordshire. Really? It's not tennis ball, is it? Does he really have a conker? Do you honestly? It would make quite a... Quite, <laughs> Do you yeah, be quite a good, quite a good sure, sound. I don't know why you'd make that text up. I'm just thinking, why would you have a conker? <laughs> I would worry that Conker could maybe sort of somehow develop a scratch in a way that a tennis ball wouldn't. Mm. Tennis ball tricks. Morning, Chris. I woke up feeling like I needed an injection of joy and boom. All it took was a bit of chat about a little carpet and a tennis ball. Thank you. Always. You deliver. I'm ready for the day now. Ali from Devices. Well, Ali, you've got to get your own waking practices going so you feel like that anyway. Because what if we're not on or we get fired today or something? You should. There are, you have your own version of. You should have your own version of what we do. That's what I do. That's why we come to work feeling like this because it's cool but i'm glad we are that for you because that's why people listen to the show i suppose kathy norfolk morning christian team i used the tennis ball trick in my garage it works brilliantly but you do have to remember to turn your windscreen wipers off 
back to the windscreen wipers, that James. Would, that'd be quite fun. Yeah, I, th- I think too. Yeah, yeah, tennis ball with windscreen wipers. It's like windscreen <laughs> tennis. Whoa! <laughs> Helen in Woking has just upped the ante. Hi. It's better than the tennis ball. This makes me feel like I felt when I first heard about the tennis ball and having that feeling again because her granddad, Helen in Woking's granddad, well, he's written the book on this, okay? okay. It's all over, everybody. Please, can I have a beep? Yes, you can. You can definitely have a beep, and so can your granddad. My granddad, this is so good. <laughs> this is so good. You thought you thought the tennis ball, the hanging, the dangling tennis ball, was a mic drop moment. Was yeah. a turn off the microphone. Yeah, we'll Let's go, go home. home. See you Friday, everyone. Yeah. Well, this could be it. Gab- right. Gabor Mate may have to interview himself because yeah. I don't know how we follow this. Morning, Chris. The gang. Please, can have a, you can have an all from Helen in working. My granddad had a squeaky chicken that would squeak as he backed the car in. <laughs> he doesn't want that. I'll see you on Friday. Um, I, 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 I've literally got goosebumps. <laughs> or chicken bumps. But I've literally... Look, I've got them. That's yeah. that's brilliant. Imagine. Because you could, Squeaky chickens, pet shops. Mm. Yeah, for dogs. Yeah. Squeaky things. Yeah. You could, you could get four or five of them, or various squeaky different toys... You could rivet gun them to the back of your garage, right? And you, you can have like a little sort of bumper of squeaks that you bump into it. You go, or whatever. <laughs> I mean, come on. I'm trying to get on with the show. Tilly comes in. She's got more squeaky chicken news. <laughs> <laughs> and she was very excited about it. Slightly and, hysterical. And having heard it, I, I understand why. Off you go, Tills. I mean, it's a hack for bringing the most joy ever to your life. Literally the most joy. (laughs) Go to a big shop, a big pet shop or a small pet shop and find a big container of squeaky chickens, which most of them will have. They're just sort of all piled up. It's a stock in trade. And then lean on the big container and squeak all the chickens at once. Squeak all the chickens at once! It's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) There's no more fun than that. That's the best. I'm gonna. Where can we target for, for big squeaks today? What's going on now, Felix? There's an excellent video on YouTube, a YouTube short of someone pressing down on first, just on one single squeaky duck, uh-huh. and then pressing down on the whole crate, as Tilly said, of squeaky ducks, and it sounds like an army of squeaky ducks, <laughs> a chorus of squeaky ducks. I don't suppose you've clipped this up for us to play on the radio. I might have oh, done. God, here we go then. Shut up! It's like a stadium of ducks, squeaky ducks. One more time. (laughs) What? (laughs) Coming! Run! Right, I want to see the video and we're going to repost it instantly on our Instagram. See, that sounds a bit like some Ryder Cup crowd action, Mm. doesn't it? Here we go. And now for Europe. In the opening pairing. Let's go live to Italy now, shall we, Vassos? Our next guest seems to have won the 17th floor lottery because he is currently being paid to be in Rome for the Ryder Cup. And if anyone asks, we're not jealous. TalkSport 2 will have live commentary from tomorrow and TalkSport are on the tee already. So live in Italy, it's Ali McCoist. Guys, how are you? Yeah, Ali, we're fantastic. Is it true you're broadcasting from underneath the house of Peroni? 
Exactly, Chris. <laughs> we are at this moment in time broadcasting from underneath the House of Peroni. <laughs> We're just about to move upstairs to broadcast from the House of Peroni. Oh, my goodness me. <laughs> All right, will you ever leave? Will they ever get rid of you? So we know that Alan is alongside you, of course, and we it know is. that you two guys and TalkSport have been to other amazing places. You've been to boxing matches in Las Vegas and you've been to various different things. Vasos, one more time, please. Yes, yeah, so in 2007... Um, Alan, on, was, on, Alan was sent to Las Vegas for the Mayweather-Hatton fight yes. and stayed in a piano bar. 2008 Champions League final in Moscow. It was a bit rainy, so he stayed in a bar. And in the uh, the 2018 Ryder Cup in Paris, he had access to every day's play, but spent his days in a hotel bar with Niall Horan. All right, what's the outlook for Alan seeing any golf this weekend so far? Slim. Uh, I, I can't lie to you, Chris. The chances I'm seeing like, any sort of golf show are slim. At this moment in time, he's sitting in a very comfortable position and he's not one for moving. He will be, he's working till 10 o'clock. I am 100% mm. going to go and have a look on the course. I'm going to see a couple of shots. I'm going to see a couple of balls been hit. It's the last day of practice. I am definitely going to do it. <laughs> However, my able-bodied companion, Chris, on the other hand, might not. Yeah. He might be. He might be more familiar with the house of Peroni. Yeah, and that's part of his charm, isn't it? I mean, that's the thing. That's what you get with Brazil. But we've got, we've got some great stuff lined up. We really have some of the guests in, uh, joining us today. We've got a uh, six-time major champion, Sir Nick Faldo, will be joining us live on Talksport. Also, four-time major winner, Dame Laura Davis, will be joining us. DP World Tour golfer, Andrew Beef Johnson, will be joining us. And, Chris, yes. singer Tom, Tom Grennan will be joining us. And he's performing at tonight's opening ceremony. So, it's all happening in the next couple of hours. Looking forward to all it. All right, super cool. Um, there's lots of talk on the back pages of Live Golf. You know, they'll miss this more than we will miss that. Is that the main narrative there? What else, what else are the talking points? Well, it's kind of calmed down a little bit, although I must admit, Rory had another pop... Um, and this morning's media, I think he said that the lot of the golfers will will miss sort of the next couple of days more than the Ryder Cup will miss them. Um, and he's probably factually correct, but it was another kind of low blow from Rory. So I don't think that is going away. Obviously, the Americans are without Bryson DeChambeau, which has caused a little bit of controversy. But I, I'll be brutally honest, because I, th- I think once play gets underway, yeah. I mean, I think the whole excitement of the tournament will completely take over, and I don't think there'll be an awful lot to be heard of of live golf for the next three days after the first ball is hit. Yeah, no, it's good because it gets us all engaged and gets us all fired up and gets, you know, uh, all the right chemicals course coursing around the body. What What do you think? Um, I don't really know who's favourite to win this year. Uh, to be honest, I'm just about to... I'm, I'm, this is my first full engagement with it. I'll be gripped by it all weekend, but how is the land lying thus far as far as favourites are concerned? Do you know something, Chris? I think, uh, well, I know the last maybe four or five weeks, the Americans have been favourites. Um, but having said that, as the tournament is coming to towards, I think favouritism has just switched over. I think the Europeans are slight favourites now, Chris, with with, with some reason, I, w- I would say, because the Europeans have got three three of the top five in the world, you know, and, and Rory McIlroy, John Ram, Victor Hovland. They've got a lot of exciting talent, obviously, as well, Matt Fitzpatrick's. 
Scots lad from Oban, Bob McIntyre, Tommy Fleetwood, and the, the new young sensation, Ludwig Eberg. So I think favouritism is just leaning towards the European side at this moment in time, guys. All right, OK, brilliant, Ali. That's all amazing. Any uh, other faces in various places? Because Samuel L. Jackson is around. We know that. He's on this Warburton's uh, PR tour. He's around for the Dunhill Cup. Uh, the Americans do like to bring in a bit of showbiz uh, for some extra firepower, don't they, as far as the dressing room is concerned? They certainly do, but un the unfortunate thing for the European side to balance that out, the only showbiz the Europeans have got are Brazil and myself oh, no. at this moment in time. So, I mean, mm. they're heavily, we're heavily <laughs> underdogs in that department, mate. But at, the, at this moment in time, when we got to the course, the, the, the place was obviously not just about deserted. We got here about five o'clock this morning. Yeah. But it is, it's, it's filling up nicely. And it, Chris, it's beautiful. It really, really is. It's All a right. beautiful course. It's really well organised. And I think we're in for a great two or three days. OK, do you have a weather forecast? I mean, you're in Italy and Rome. Should be all right, I would imagine. Is it going to be particularly hot or, or wet or just as we might well, expect? We have had one of our golf correspondents on this morning telling us that it will be so hot that it might be a little bit of a, a, a struggle for some of the guys to play five rounds in the short period really? of time. Wow. Um, Clearly, it's going. To, I think that the forecast today is for 30 degrees, which will be hot. But as I, as, as Alan did point out, these guys aren't—they're not carrying their bags around themselves. You know what I mean? You've got to, you've got to take this into account. You know, they are yeah. very well looked after. You know, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Of course, they will. Um, the course—I I don't know that course. There's a great pullout in today's Sun uh, uh, centre page pullout of all the different holes. You know, bring it on that kind of stuff. Did you have you get to, have you had to have you walked it all the really the course? Have you played it at all or what? I've had a look. I've had a look, Chris, and do you know something. As you'd expect, with it being a, a, a local course, the, the home sides obviously try to put the course up to suit the home team, yeah. which kind of makes sense. And I think the, the European sides have done that here at the Marcus Simone Golf and Country Club. The course it isn't long. It isn't long because the, the belief is a longer course would suit the Americans. It's a kind of shorter course. It's very, very hilly. It is very, very hilly. But the rough, oh, Chris, man, forget it. <laughs> Absolutely forget it. It's like something at a Jurassic Park, man. The rough's unbelievable. <laughs> you, you, if you put your ball in there, you can forget it. So oh. I, th I think that's the train of thought. The train of thought is it's, the, the course is set up to be more accurate, uh, for, uh, to suit accuracy more than distance. All right. Um, so if hydration is um, a priority this weekend, uh, will do you think the European team may be going to Alan for any hydration hacks I fully expect on Sunday evening <laughs> um, after the tournament is finished with the Europeans being triumphant I think there will be serious attempts at rehydration for the European cyclists <laughs> and we're about a lot Brazil and myself will be joining them just tell us a bit more about the house of Peroni I'm fascinated by this place <laughs> well it's, it's heaven and earth Effectively, right. we are sitting. We are sitting right underneath it, and <laughs> right. and a and a, lo a, a lovely kind of eating area, right. uh, and there's fish and chips. Clearly, too early for fish and chips. There's hamburgers and all that. And as you look outside, there's there's lovely like, like golf challenges, Chris. There's a big pot challenge. There's a, which we're going to go as soon as as soon as the uh, we finish at ten o'clock. Oh, you can imagine the challenges have been thrown out already. We'll be down for the long putt challenge. There's a chipping challenge. There's a couple of crazy putting holes. And then right above, right above us, 
and a beautiful view right over the course is the house of, as you mentioned, Coroni, which I have absolutely no doubt we will be sampling at some point today. Okay, and last man standing, I think Brazil will be in the house of Peroni on his only. Uh, Riding Cup breakfast, Alan Brazil and Ali McCoy live throughout the weekend, today and tomorrow on TalkSport and TalkSport 2. And also on TalkSport 2, Riding Cup daily, 8am to 5pm. The team in Rome deliver daily build-up to the 2023 Riding Cup today and speak to the golfers, hoping to bring their team the victory. All right. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Craving some great 80s music. Play Virgin Radio 80s Plus. On DAB Digital Radio. On the app. On your smart speaker. And at virginradio80splus.co.uk. I got my mind set. Love Chris Evans. Love the 80s. 80s. Virgin Radio 80s Plus. (laughs) <laughs> right, we have an amazing guest now to talk to. He's been on the show before, and uh, the next 25 minutes are going to be absolute gold, guaranteed. Vassos, who might it be? Our next guest is an award-winning doctor and best-selling author who'll have you shrugging off trauma and living your best life in the time it takes to read his latest book. The Myth of Normal is out now, so call your friends and gather round as we partay with Gabor Mate. Good morning, Gabor. That's quite Introduction. Thanks. <laughs> Don't feel like you have to live up to how it. How am I going to? How am I going to live up to that one? <laughs> so you're here. I mean, the book's a year old now. Congratulations! Happy birthday to the book. Thank you. The myth of normal. Uh, we talked about it when it was new. We'll talk about it again. It's been 19 years. Or uh, 19 years. 19 weeks. It will be 19 years. I wish. On the New York Best Times, uh, New York Times bestseller list. Also interpreted into 35 languages, 35 countries. It's doing really well. Um, but you're here for speaking engagements and workshops. Tell us yeah. a bit more about that. Yeah, so um, on Monday I did a workshop, a trauma healing workshop, actually, to people from all over the world. It was very deep, um, very moving. It's quite astonishing how people, when they feel safe, how they open up, and also how they support each other, you know. So, um, um, you know, um, I met, uh, when I was here last year, I met Charlie McKesey and his book, The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. Amazing. And... The horse is the, uh, it's, a, it's just a charming, beautiful book, and the uh, horse is the wisest creature amongst the four, and he's asked, what's the most courageous thing you've ever said? And the horse says, help. Yeah. And I was crossing the Westminster Bridge yesterday, and there was a little stick-up sign pinned on the, on the gate, on the fence there, yeah. which said, asking for help is a strong thing to do yeah yeah you know? Charlie, Charlie says in the book um, and, some and, people and think, so, so people asking for help and coming together that's what really excites me yeah no good for you um, Gabo with the book The Myth of Normal can you expand on the title for us first please sure so as a medical doctor I'm trained to uh, work with what's called a range of normal uh, 
parameter. So within a range of temperature, life is possible. If it's the temperature too low or the body temperature too high, you die. Blood acidity, blood blood pressure, at range of normal, is natural and healthy, outside of which you die. In this society, we assume that a lot of things that we take for granted that we see as normal, we also assume that they're healthy and natural. I'm saying that in this society, what is considered normal is actually toxic for a lot of people, and it's a source of a lot of uh, a lot of illness, uh, pathology of mind and body. So that um, if in a laboratory, um, a scientist was growing microorganisms in a brew, we'd call that a, a laboratory culture. If a lot of these organisms were getting sick or not doing well, we'd say it's a toxic culture. In British society, in North American society, in global society, there's more um, depression, anxiety, or the fastest growing diagnosis. More and more kids are being diagnosed with ADHD. There's more autoimmune disease. There's something about this culture that's toxic, so what we consider normal is actually not healthy or natural in this society. That's the meaning of the title. And that goes something towards the definition of, definition of epigenetics as well. Yeah. So epigenetics is the way that the environment affects the functioning of our genes. Like we always assume, there's an assumption in this society that people's character traits and behaviors are genetically determined or that their mental health conditions are genetically programmed. They're not. It's actually the environment working on the genes, which is called epigenetics, that determines how our brains function and how we function very often. So we are not genetically determined creatures. In fact, there's one scientist who I quote who said that we're genetically determined not to be genetically determined. And really what affects us most is our environment, the, our, our social relationships, our personal relationships, our childhoods, and the culture that we live in. Yeah, and our mindset and just how we wake up in the morning. And it all serves to our cortisol levels, our biochemistry. Um, you talk about Native Americans and the, um, the higher rate of alcoholism through generations, things like that, which obviously lead to massively detrimental to your overall well-being. Can you just give us a few examples of real-life scenarios? Well, I'll give you one. Uh, I'm, I'm I know you can't see this on radio, but do you see this uh, wristband that yep. I'm wearing? This comes from Haida Gwaii. Haida Gwaii is uh, islands in northern British Columbia. used to be known as the Queen Charlotte Islands. Now that tells a story because it, it's where the totem poles come from. It's a place of deep culture. People have been living there for 13,000 years. The British come along. All of a sudden, it's no longer Haida Gwaii. It's Queen Charlotte Islands. So they, they get colony taken over. Then they established these residential schools where native kids, Haida Gwaii kids, are taken to drive their culture out of their brains. I led a, The reason I'm wearing this bracelet is because three weeks ago I led a trauma healing workshop up there. An 80-year-old woman came up to the front and she said, I used to speak perfect Haida until I was five years old and now I can't remember a word. And uh, even when I try to learn it, it doesn't stick. I said, what happened to you? She was taken to a residential school, a colonial residential school, established by the Canadian government, but with a colonial mentality bequeathed by the British. She spoke her native tongue. They beat her body with a stick. They literally beat her language out of her. Now these people, this is what happened to the indigenous people in Canada. The result is 
that uh, and there was sexual abuse in these schools, physical abuse, a lot of kids died in these schools. Now they have a high rate of alcoholism, suicide, violence, childhood sexual abuse, addictions, self-cutting, um, rheumatoid arthritis. This is a population that where none of those conditions used to exist. It's strictly a result of collective historical trauma imposed by colonialism. And um, that's just one example. You know, and, and you talk about capital T and small t, uh, yeah. tra- the capital T of, cap- of the capital T trauma. Yeah, and small t trauma, but both are equally as important. And yeah. it, you know, it's 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 endemic around the world in different flavors, if you like. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the small t trauma is not when, like the, this woman who came up, and by the way, this elderly Heidegger woman, um, her biggest pain wasn't just what happened to her, but she actually blamed herself for being passive, for being helpless. Yeah. And the, the the worst impact of trauma is that you start to loathe yourself and to question your worth as a human being. Mm-hmm. And I helped her to understand that her passivity in the face of this beating was her way of survival. Because yeah. had she fought back as a five-year-old, yeah. she would have been grievously hurt even more. That's the big T trauma where things happen to you that shouldn't have happened. The small T trauma, what I call small T trauma, is where not when terrible things happen that shouldn't have, but when the good things that should happen shouldn't and didn't Didn't. happen. So, for example, kids need to be held. They need to be emotionally and physically held. When that doesn't happen, they still get wounded, which is the word what the trauma means, is, is it's a wound. So we can hurt kids not by doing bad things to them, but just by not giving them what they need. Yeah. You know, and when I interviewed Prince Harry earlier this year, this is the point a lot of people didn't get. They said, how could this guy be traumatized? He grew up in uh, gilded palaces and misprivileged, which is all true. Privilege, by the way, which he acknowledges, came from wealth that was based on what happened to colonize people internationally. Uh, he shouldn't have said that. No, he's giving out the secret of the the the, the, the source of the wealth of the British royalty. Yeah. It's, a, it's a big mistake. I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious. But, but he was a child who wasn't held. In that family, there was no holding of children. They think, how can you be traumatized in the midst of all this wealth? Yeah. Well, you can be, because as an infant, you need to be held. And in that family, they just didn't hold each other. And it's, you know, again, a, di- a different, another example of a similar um, trauma, but for different reasons would be like socioeconomic. So there's that story, lovely story you tell about um, Greek adolescence versus Swedish adolescence. Actually, it was uh, Greek versus British. Uh, it was during the economic crisis in Greece, um, which is, goes back to the point that Society affects our physiology. Right. Um, we think we're independent creatures, but actually very social creatures, and our very physiology is often determined by social factors. So there was an economic crisis in Greece, and the Greek. There was a study comparing Greek and British, um, I think, college age or adolescents yeah. or college age students, and the the Greek kids during the economic crisis not only were more anxious naturally, but their stress hormone levels were abnormal compared to their British counterparts, which means that under social pressure, economic crisis, uh, uncertainty, conflict, lack of information, loss of control, which 
which are endemic in this society, people's physiology is affected. So poor mothers, so in Canada, for example, women under economic pressure, their children had abnormal co uh, stress hormone levels so that the economic worries of the parents affect the physiology and the immune system and the hormones of the child, which later on can result in illness. And then think, why did this kid get sick? Well, it had to do with the social, economic, and cultural circumstances under which they grew up. So as things get more complicated, as we continue to age and develop, evolve, or even devolve as a species, as yeah. human beings, you know, complicated is hard enough to deal with anyway. But when things become complex and have sort of invisible variables as time goes on, how on earth do you unpick this on a global level? Well, the first thing is to recognize it. Yeah. Um, the things that I'm saying about trauma and its impacts have been studied voluminously and published tens of thousands of times. The average physician doesn't get any of this information in medical school. Yeah. Um, the uh, Richard Bentall, a British psychologist, member of the British Academy, said that the link between childhood adversity and adult mental health problems is as clearly established as the link between smoking and lung cancer. Yeah. The average psychiatrist doesn't have a clue. Mm -hmm. So that the first, it's not their fault, it's not part of the medical ideology. And so that the first thing you have to do is you have to talk about it and just to recognize it. Um, in this society, there's a huge pushback against the very idea of talking about trauma. And, and so that the first thing you have to do is just to be very open and honest about it. You, know? and you talk about medical students, don't you? Yeah, medical yeah. students have rarely given a single lecture in their whole education in trauma and yet when they become doctors they are often amongst the most traumatized themselves well there's an interesting study about medical students uh, there's a structure called telomeres telomeres are uh, dna structures at the end of our chromosomes just like the aglets at the end of my shoelaces to keep the strands from unraveling so we have these telomeres which is just a biological structure, they shorten and fray as we are stressed as we get older. They compared the telomeres of medical students and other people their age. The medical students' telomeres, chromosomes, aged more rapidly in a year than people their age. So student medical students grow up with a lot of stress. So they, right? a, they are aging quicker, even in their teens, than, the, than the, in, their, in their early 20s or late teens, so that under the pressure, but, but they never learn to take care of themselves, nor do they learn about the trauma and its physiological impacts despite all the evidence, you know? So that um, the very profession that ought to be cognizant of all this, is totally unaware of all this research, which is really remarkable. I read The Guardian this morning. There was an article about breast cancer. Uh, this is Breast Cancer Awareness Week. Now, in 1870, a British surgeon, very famous, still renowned in medical circles, James Paget, said that, pointed out the relationship between breast cancer and women and emotional factors. Studies after studies have shown that um, stress, um, emotional repression, um, um, l emotional loss pr promotes the growth of breast cancer. The average medical student never hears that. And this article in The Guardian, of course, said nothing about it. Yeah. Even though since Paget's day, 
be all kinds of research to support his findings. And this is across the board. So that the, the Western medicine separates the mind from the body. Yeah. An average physician just doesn't get this information. Yeah. It's not their fault. It's just not part of the medical ideology. You talked about um, somebody from the past there, Padgett. Tell us about this play, Mark Ryan's play. You the play that I saw last yeah. night. Well, it, it actually relates. So uh, the, the wonderful transcendent British actor Mark Rylance stars in this play called Dr. Semmelweis. Yeah. Now, Semmelweis was a Hungarian physician. He was one of my heroes growing up. In Budapest, where I grew up, there's a statue of him. Now, he, to make a long story short, Semmelweis, working in Vienna, noticed that the women giving birth on the wards where doctors did the deliveries were dying in much higher numbers of, of sepsis, of infection, than the women delivered by the midwives in another ward. And he finally put two and two together, and he noticed that um, the doctors would be coming to, from doing their autopsies, working with infected corpses, not wash their hands, and deliver babies. So he said there must be some particle that we passed on from these autopsy bodies to the women that kills them. And he started washing his hands and suggested that doctors do. And the death rate went down. He was hounded out of the profession. He ended up dying in a mental health hospital. Now, um, it's the medical profession is very conservative. Now, And then, of course, 20 years later, Sir Joseph Lister, the British scientist, surgeon, and physician, comes along and says, there's germs, and germs cause infections. You have to wash your hands. So Semmelweis's insight, he didn't have the science, but he had the insight, was then validated by this great British scientist and physician, Lister, uh, whose, photo, whose painting I saw at the National Portrait Gallery a couple of days ago. But he himself died in an insane asylum. So he's one of my heroes. He's one of these people that dares challenge the medical orthodoxy. And uh, how, how good is the play? Sorry? How good was the play? Very dramatic, very powerful, and um, a real combination of um, incredible acting, of course, and uh, and dance and music, and yeah, yeah. Uh, just very impactful. Your sense of purpose seems to be, uh, you know, as as um, formidable as anybody I've ever met or read about. Mm. Is that how you feel every morning when you wake up? Do you feel a responsibility to, to come out on shows like this, to have workshops, travel around the world, to just be responsible all the time? If so, where did it come from? And do you ever get to relax and smile and, and take it easy? So this year has been a hard year for me because, uh, you know, so I've got this best-selling book and I'm traveling all over the world and meanwhile I'm ignoring my own needs. Right. I mean, I'm, 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 uh, I've written a book called When the Body Says No. When you don't take care of yourself, when you don't say no, the body will say it for you in the form of illness. And sometimes people come to me and say, your book saved my life. And my response is maybe I should read it myself <laughs> because I really drove myself too hard this year. Right. You know, And I got quite anxious and, uh, and sometimes depressed and demoralized in the midst of all this success. Yeah, yeah. You know? And then I did something radical. Um, this summer I did a two-week uh, sabbatical from um, the internet, cell phones, emails, yeah. YouTube, you know, and I started to meditate and do yoga. Yeah. And boy, oh boy, what a transformation, you know. So the answer is yes, but I have to be <laughs> conscious of it. Because with all that I know and all that I teach about stress and trauma, I can do it to myself. Yeah. Uh, unless I'm very uh, conscious and mindful, you know. Yeah. Now, as to what keeps me going, look, 
I just really believe in the truth of what I'm talking about and the importance of it. And uh, I don't care who agrees with me or who doesn't. And uh, I just want to speak my truth. I'm in a fortunate position of people being interested. So, you know, from here tomorrow, I go to Glasgow, where I'll be speaking to hundreds of people. Then I go to Eastern Europe, former Yugoslavia, and then Transylvania and Hungary, Prague, and I get to speak my truth. So, I mean, what a fortunate person I am. As long as I take a breath and smile and, and take care of myself. And yeah. if I don't, all this external activity and success just turns to ashes in my mouth. It's yeah, that what is simple. success anyway? Yeah, you know. that's right. And also, a smile goes a long way, especially when you're trying to convey a message, I think. Um, I'm sorry, say that again. A smile goes a long way when you're trying to convey a yeah, message. Yeah, you know what? And um, I basically, I'm a depressive. Like, I grew up with a depressive constitution based on very early experiences. I, it wasn't a lot of joy in my first years of life. And people would often look at my face and say, look, why does it look so dour? You know, and I didn't even realize it. As I got older, fortunately... I, I smile more now. You You've know, got a so, lovely smile, by the well, way. <laughs> well, thanks. Well, you know what? I've learned something about this phrase, growing older. Have you thought about the phrase, growing older? Like, what does it mean to grow older right. as opposed to get older? Right. You can actually keep growing. Grow. You yeah. know, and, 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 and grow. When an oak tree grows older, it becomes more magnificent, doesn't That's it? That's right. Yeah. And stronger. So, so we hope so. So um, I do smile a lot more now. I, I take myself far less seriously than I used to, uh, which also means that life is a lot easier. Yeah. On yeah. a good day, I should say. Um, Yabba Mate with Daniel Mate, his son, the myth of normal trauma, illness, and healing in a toxic culture. Uh, we've only got a, a minute left, sadly, Gabor. This book is a year and a couple of weeks old now, so happy yeah. birthday to the book. Thank you. Um, what has been uh, the most useful response to the book and what has been the most surprising response to the book from your point of view? You know, the best feedback I get was summarized by a young man who said to me, Thank you. I read my book and I remembered myself. So this book is written, really written to help people understand and connect with themselves. Right. And the essence of trauma is that loss of connection with self. So that's that's the that's my purpose. That's the purpose of this book, and that's the feedback I get. All right. Um, this I know this took a long time to write. It's not your first book. Will it be your last? Is there another one? No. My son and I, Daniel and I, are now writing a book called Hello Again, A Fresh Start for Parents and Their Adult Children. Because right. we've had our own stuff to work out, believe me. Because my son was traumatized in his childhood by the way I was as a parent. Right. And the way my wife and I related to each other. My kids grew up in a very stressed home. Right. So then we've got a lot of stuff to work out. So now we do a workshop and, and a lot of parents and their adult kids come and they they get a fresh start. And that's, Can't wait for that book. That's, <laughs> When's that, that going to be here? That's, we should finish writing it next year. It should be out in 2025. Please come back and talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, have a safe, smiley day. Thank you. Thanks Great so much. Gabba Mate with Daniel Mate, The Myth of Normal. It's one of those books you buy and you, you just always have around the house. It's amazing.